everyone. We're so glad you're here to chat with us. I'm Lindsay. And I'm Lauren. We're excited to share conversations, stories, and an in-depth perspective of United Way's commitment to the Valley. Today, we are joined by Jonalise Lamberti. Jonalise is a student, community advocate, and dedicated to making a difference. She started as our translation intern over the summer and quickly earned a part-time role in our organization. Welcome, Jonalise. Hi. <laughs> we'll get started with our simple question that's always a good warm-up. Um, will you tell us a little bit about yourself and what brought you to United Way? Uh, sure. So, um, like you mentioned, my name is Chinese Landelti. Um, I am originally from Puerto Rico. I've lived in the U.S. for around maybe 13 to 15 years. I moved here when I was seven um, with my parents, and now I have a sister who's 10 years younger than me. Um, I'm currently a CSU junior. Um, my major is political science with a minor in legal studies. Um, my intention with that degree is to become an immigration attorney. Um, this is a topic that uh, it impacts my heart a lot because, you know, I've met a lot of families that are dealing with these kind of issues. And I decided that um, if I was going to pursue, you know, a law degree, I wanted to make it worthwhile. And if I can find a way to help my own community, I think that'd be really, really cool. Um, so, yeah, it's just a little bit about me. <laughs> We're so glad to have you as part of the United Way team. We're in the middle of celebrating Hispanic Heritage Month. Can you tell us why that is so important? Uh, most, the, the best answer I could probably give to that is that representation matters. Um, usually our culture, when it comes to just the Hispanic population, it's not really seen a lot in mainstream um, culture and uh, really, uh, pretty awesome part that I think a lot of people either don't pay attention to or aren't really aware of is that the Hispanic population is pretty diverse. It has more characters in play that we really realize. Um, so when it comes to these moments where these communities get to celebrate, I think the, the major uh, component as to why we should be paying attention to those celebrations is because of that. Representation matters and, and it's important that you know, the voices that were once either quieted or weren't as loud are heard today. That's great. And how do you and your family choose to celebrate? For us personally, we actually go to a multicultural church. Um, so it's pretty awesome when, you know, you come from one specific part of the community and then you get to, you get to be exposed to other cultures. Um, but with people that have a uh, similar values or similar just ideals um, that's kind of in the same ballpark, but still you get to experience different foods and different um, colors that the cultures represent. Um, so for us specifically, we like to embrace the diversity of those cultures in our community. Um, we have a day where uh, people from different countries get to come dressed in their traditional clothing. Um, they also get to bring, you know, traditional foods and we get to enjoy them. Um, so it's just us embracing the differences we have within each other, but together in the same place. That sounds like so much fun and 
really interesting. I'm all about food. Anytime there's food, I'm there. <laughs> so you mentioned that there are there is a diversity within the Hispanic community. For those that may not know, can you expand upon that? What does that mean? Well, that really means that uh, when you look at the South American map, you know, it's a pretty big content, but sometimes, unfortunately, we focus and we think, oh, Hispanic, and we automatically assume Mexican, or we automatically assume the, the sombreros or, you know, Mexican food, tacos and all that. And while that culture is beautiful, it's not the only one, um, you know, in our demographic. You have Puerto Ricans, you have Dominicans, you have Panamanians, you have people from Nicaragua, Honduras, Salvador, Guatemala, Uruguay, Bolivia, you have a lot of countries and and these countries are very different in itself. Um, you know, you have Peru is a perfect example when it comes to their clothing, when it comes to their own cultures and traditions. It's very, very different compared to uh, Dominicans' traditions or Dominicans' way of, of speaking. There's different dialects. There's different uh, words used that have different meanings for each other. One word that I use in my community might not have the same meaning for someone in Nicaragua or Salvador. So sometimes you have to be careful when you're speaking to them because you never know if the word you're using is in the correct context or it might even be offensive. Um, so it's, it's just that each place has its own food, its own set of values, its own history, its own music, its own clothing. Um, and so sometimes there's a lack of understanding in that general aspect of diversity when it comes to our community. That was definitely something that you taught me. Um, I remember when we were discussing it and just how many groups are part of the Hispanic community. And you blew my mind when you told me that um, Haitians were part of the Hispanic community, which I would have never thought of. And, you know, they speak Creole, so they don't even speak Spanish most of the time. Um, but that was just very interesting. Um, can you tell us a little bit about how people that are non-Hispanic individuals can celebrate and honor the Hispanic community and culture without being insensitive and avoid cultural appropriations. I know you kind of mentioned a little bit about the sombreros and the tacos and all the things we kind of originally think of, um, and we don't mean it to be insensitive, but tell us some good ways that we can help celebrate. So when it comes to celebrating, it's kind of going back to the whole diversity track, starting by recognizing that there is um, a community that is diverse, that is different, um, and just creating that kind of consciousness. Uh, that way, whenever you do manage to find an environment where this event is being celebrated, you're embracing or you're kind of enhancing the riches of those cultures. Um, so, you know, when it comes to celebrating, I think that's just really, really important. Um, when it comes to sometimes people like to wear costumes or like to just grab this stereotypical image of what Hispanic would look like and they either put it as decoration or like I said, as a costume. And that's fine. When it comes to cultural appropriation, I'm 50-50 on that. Um, I believe that cultures generally, most of the time they borrow from each other. I think though there is a line that should not be crossed, which is when it comes to mocking or just disrespecting or just not taking into consideration that 
you know, that is a part of someone's personality, of someone's background. Um, so when you think about it, you know, the United States, it's known as a melting pot. And when it comes to Hispanics, they're not an exception um, to that perspective. Um, so especially when it comes to Hispanic Americans that are here, um, they're Americans, but they have different perspectives. So when we decide to start embracing cultures outside of our own, I think it's really, really important that we bother to just do bare, at least the bare minimum research of who you're talking to, of, you know, making sure that when you ask questions, um, if you are interested in being informed, making sure that the questions are respectful and they're understanding that you are speaking to someone who, you know, might not fit into the stereotypical bubble that you've been presented your entire life. Um, so each corner is different. Each corner of the world is different. The struggles are different. Um, so saying that they're all the same is probably something that you shouldn't do. It's not taking everyone into consideration. Um, and it's kind of not helping push along that message that America um, is that melting pot. It's not the only place where you're gonna find diversity. There are many, many areas in the world that you're gonna find that there are just different people integrating and just living together. Um, so that's pretty important when it comes to celebrating, just educating yourself and you know, showing respect through that research and education that you give yourself. That's, that's great help, I think just being respectful, starting from a place of respect, I think will help all of us get through it. And I think a lot of people do want to celebrate and honor the traditions and the cultures in a nice, respectful way. So yeah, just doing a little research, um, asking some good questions, and maybe not being so defensive when someone calls you out and says, it's not very nice. But we can all agree that the food is, is the most important thing, I think, right? <laughs> so uh, let's get into um, what you are really focusing on, Jolice, for your life is going to focus on the law and specifically immigration. That's really important. These policies and reform are critical issues for the Hispanic community. And they should be important topics for all of us. It affects all of us. Will you share some of the difficulties people face around immigration? Um, I think when it comes to immigration, a lot of the conversations are influenced by media. And sometimes media, depending on what station you're watching, it can be very biased or just sometimes doesn't even have the most accurate information. Um, so a lot of just general struggles that I think a lot of people aren't talking about. I mean, it's really easy for someone to say, oh, why are they going through the um, process of coming over here? Why are they going through that struggle? Um, I think I've heard multiple people who weren't very nice and simply said, maybe they should just stay there and handle their problems over there. And sometimes it's not that simple. Um, you know, if you look at the history of Latin America, there are a lot of issues when it comes to government and its people. Um, and sometimes those issues get to the point where someone has to get collect their things and say, I don't want this for my kids. I don't want this future for them. Or maybe they're struggling um, to make their way and they've been sold this idea of the American dream. And they think that 
if they make it over here, everything is going to turn around. Everything's going to be great. Um, the issue is that a lot of the times when they come here, they're obviously from a different country. They don't speak the same language. So they're not aware of a lot of laws that can help them or protect them, even if they aren't citizens of the United States. Um, and so that is probably a really huge um, cause due to just a lack of information when it comes to legal resources. Um, my church personally has uh, worked pretty hard to help um, its immigration community, but that it's found within its walls and even in our own community around Columbus. But most of the time when you have conversations with them, they're just not aware of what is available to them. And most of the time they're afraid to communicate, you know, hey, what do I need to do this? What do I need to do that? Um, and then people are like, well, if they really wanted to be here, they could come here legally. It's not simple. It's not as easy as people think. Sometimes it takes months. Sometimes it takes years for someone to get the documentation they need for themselves, for their family. Um, and that's just, it's a really big process. It's a really big um it's just, it's just a really big process for people to have to go through. And um, I think I remember a while back, one of my mentors had explained to me that here in Columbus, Georgia, um, at least for, for in Puerto Rico, a notary and a lawyer are kind of the same person. Um, so they had that certification. So if you need your documentation filled out, you go to a law office and they get that for you. In the United States, that's not always the case. Sometimes you'll have people that are notaries that aren't lawyers. And so a while back you had, um, you know, a community that was going to notaries, getting their documents filled out, getting their information filled out. And they thought, okay, I'm done. I'm set. Um, and these notaries were taking their money and they were filling in the documentation um, without the person realizing this isn't really them obtaining their papers. It's just the, the filling out process. Um, so a lot of people lost money. A lot of people lost opportunities to stay in the country. And a lot of people just didn't get the representation they needed because they thought they were set with the notary filling in their information. So it's it's situations like that where they're not informed and they're not told that um, outside of getting a notary to fill out their documentation, they need to seek representation and they need to head over to court. And so you will have people that will come into the country legally and they'll do things correctly. Um, so a lot of the time you'll have people that get tickets for speeding or just anything regarding, um, you know, trafficking violations and they'll go into court, they pay their ticket. And when you walk outside, you'll have officers standing outside or I standing outside and they'll ask you to hand over your license. They check your profile. And if you fit that profile, they'll ask you to hand over your license. Um, and so a lot of these people don't speak English. A lot of them get nervous when there are authorities around them. And so they don't know that they don't have to hand anything over to a police officer. You can literally keep walking and they get nervous and they hand it out and they say, well, I don't have a license or I don't have this. And that's when they get taken over to um, the centers. And from there, it's really, really hard for them to get that representation that they need. Um, and a lot of that also comes from detention locations. Uh, a while back during my freshman year, I had to write a paper on that. Um, and it's a really, really great article that I recommend to anyone who's like really interested. This came out like 2015. So it's, it's pretty, I guess, 
in terms of publications is pretty old, but it's called the National Study of Access um, to Council. I think it was written by the Pennsylvania, the University of Pennsylvania Law Review. That's where it was published. And it was a study that was done around 2002, 2012. And it spoke about um, just the, you know, the access to counsel and immigration court. And uh, when they finished doing their research, it showed that after a six year period, only 14% of detained respondents were represented in court. And that usually comes for many, many reasons. Um, the major one is when you look at the locations of, the de of these detention centers, they're in like really rural, unpopulated areas. Um, we have one here in Lumpkin, Georgia. Like if you just look at the locations of these places, you see that they're government facilities that, you know, unless you decide to drive a couple hours, it's really, really hard for you to get, get there. You know, I think the study also mentioned there was like a 66% of immigrants that were non-detained immigrants and they received um, representation. So it's easier for immigrants outside of those detention centers to receive the representation or the counsel that they need in court. Um, so that was something that's like kind of pursued me towards this um, path, the idea that the people that are in the actual centers that are actually, um, you know, facing court head on and that have no access to the outside world, those are the ones that need the immigration attorneys the most and they're not getting the representation that they need. The struggles that we face as a society are not the worst of the worst. You know, everyone, obviously there are struggles and everyone has different um, things that they go through. But when you look at the bigger picture, um, compared to a lot of people on this planet, we, we've got it pretty, we've got it pretty solid. We've got it pretty good. Um, so, you know, they make their way over here and they don't know these laws. They don't know how to get the help that they need. Um, I think it's really, really important that before we decide to start, um, I guess saying, well, maybe they shouldn't bother. Why don't we look at why they're doing this? Why don't we look at where they come from? Like I said, that, that you know, there's a really, each country has its own government. Each country has its own police force. Each country has its own way of running things, and some are better than others. Um, so you need to look at their background. You need to look at why they're making these decisions. And you also have to remember that uh, there is this idea of the American dream, and they hear about it. They don't know the details, and they don't really know, um, I guess, the reality of the American dream. Um, but they they hear that and they're like, well, it's got to be better than what I'm facing here. So they pack their things and they're on foot. They're marching on foot. Um, and so I just think that when it comes to the topic of immigration, a lot of people need to be a little bit more informed on why they're doing what they're doing. And they also need to form what be informed on what's going on in the courts. A lot of them are signing papers and they're having to represent themselves in court, a lot of the detention centers are in the middle of nowhere. So the, you know, their access to representation, their access to legal resources is significantly low. Um, so there are a lot of people in these centers that are receiving no help. And I don't even think I want to get started on the treatment inside of the actual facilities because it's not, it's not great, especially when it comes to children and women. Um, I'm pretty sure that you know at some point we've seen in the loop what we've seen in the news either this year or the past year 
of the sexual assault cases that have come out of those detention centers when it comes regarding women and children. Um, so that's a whole topic for a whole, for a whole another day. We have a whole episode on that. Yeah. Um, I remember we started, you know, that conversation out in Chandra's office for, you know, it's like a 15 minute thing and we look up and it's been an hour and a half. Um, so many things that we just don't know. Um, but something that Americans do know, and I feel like every American would know this, is you'll do anything for your family and to provide your family a better life. And that's something we can all relate on um, on that topic. So we may have not had those struggles. And I remember having a wake up call like you did, John Elise. You know, I was doing mission work in Haiti and went in one of their grocery stores and see that, you know, the government is selling UNICEF water to their people who really don't have the money to buy bottled water and it just made me cry. Um, so things that you just never live, you never think of because we don't see it. We don't see it on a daily basis. Um, so we are very, very fortunate. Um, so thank you for having that heart for immigration and for these policies. And I know you're gonna make such a difference in the Hispanic community. Um, and we're so lucky to even have you here with us um, and help us learn about all of these things. So to go on a much lighter note, um, how can we be better informed, better advocates, and truly show up for the Hispanic community? Uh, it's like I said earlier, do your own research. The media doesn't always present our community or just the general topic of immigration as it should. Um, and so sometimes bothering to take those extra few minutes and looking through the information and understanding that things are not as simple as it seems. It's like I said, not everyone comes over here um, illegally. You know, there are actually a lot of companies that uh, they get international workers and they give them, you know, working visas and they stay here. If you go to Panama City Beach, there is it's really, really fun over there for me because I understand them. But, you know, there's like a whole um, employee demographic of Dominicans. They come over and they work for the summer. Um, and so and they're here legally. And sometimes we think that just because someone is speaking Spanish or, um, you know, they maybe look a certain way that we're like, maybe they're not here legally. But most of the time they do try to get here by legal means. And most of the time they're here on working visas or temporary visas um and but usually uh usually the kind of drawback to that and something that i would probably say would be a pretty good idea if you want to start becoming an advocate um is uh kind of just looking around the work environment and realizing that sometimes they do need better treatment um and you know it's really really easy to get taken advantage of when you don't speak a language it's really really easy um so i think as advocates we probably want to try to um protect them and don't let other people abuse or mistreat them like i said they don't know what they're entitled to sometimes they don't always have the resources to um, be told this is what they're allowed for to do this is what they're not allowed to do um and so sometimes they don't know about the laws that protect them against these really big companies. They don't know um, certain things about salaries, about time off, about hours, and they just work, 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 work. Um, and depending on the company, sometimes they're really big companies that do these type of things. Um, understanding the process of visas, um, I think 
a lot of the time people don't understand the process of gaining a visa and how time consuming, um, how costly, how difficult it is to um, be able to obtain that documentation here in the United States. There's only a significant amount of visas that go out every year. Um, and sometimes people that really, really need it aren't given the help that they need so they can't obtain that visa. Um, and uh, it's like I said, when it comes to the better treatment, we also need to realize that when it comes to the workers that are not here by legal means, they are still taken advantage of. Um, so if we want to be advocates, I think that that's something that um, we should really, really work towards letting this community know that regardless of their status, they deserve to be treated a certain way and they and that we should we will work to protect them and to keep them safe and to help them um, in any situation that they may have, whether it's getting that access to counsel for their documentation or it's helping someone out of a difficult situation like domestic violence. Um, so I think that's really, really important. Um, just setting up that space for them to feel safe enough to reach out for help if they need it. You've definitely given us a lot to think about. Um, and Jonalise, I know that the church community that you are a part of works a lot for this, and you've mentioned them a lot through this podcast. Um, do you mind mentioning the name and location of your church um, for anyone that's listening that may want to be part? Yeah. So um, actually, my church is here in Columbus, Georgia. It is called Iglesia de Dios Nuevo Pacto, which is in in Spanish, I believe it's Church of God, New Covenant. And so I'm trying to pull up. I believe that the address is, in, is Calvin Drive. Um, and so we are a multicultural church. Uh, our services are both in English and in Spanish. We have um, my pastor's lovely wife. She's his translator. So all the services um, are bilingual. So anyone is welcome. Uh, yeah, and the address is... 3628 Calvin Drive, Columbus, Georgia, 31904. Um, anyone is welcome. Everyone is welcome. I think at one point we actually had someone who was from Russia and she spoke Spanish. So we've had people from all over the world and uh, we're a pretty military friendly church as well. So we've had thousands of families come in and out from different countries. And it's really, really cool because that's that's something that like actually helped me. Um, choosing my career path, I've been exposed to so many other countries different from my own that I just fell in love with everything. Um, so I really, really recommend my church. <laughs> awesome. We've, we've enjoyed getting to know you and your pastor and learning these things that y'all are doing in the community. So thank you so much for that. Lauren, you have any other questions? I think I just wanted to add that this the, the issue of, of immigration can be polarizing. It seems to be a hot topic in, in America, but I think we can all agree that they are fellow human beings trying to make their life work, trying for better, and they deserve due process of the law. They deserve to be represented properly. They deserve our, our love and support. And so we appreciate you sharing your insight and how we can help and be better advocates and support them, especially the food. The food is, <laughs> I'm always gonna 
value. <laughs> <laughs> it's great. You can learn a lot about a culture through their food. So That's right. awesome. Well, thank you, John Elise, for taking the time to chat with us. Thank you guys for having me. I really appreciated the conversation. Join us for our next episode as we discuss mental health and how vital it is to our overall health. You don't want to miss it. To catch a previous episode or for more information about United Way, visit unitedwayofthecv.org. Thank you for listening. We're so glad you're here to chat with us.